The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about a couple things. First, thequantedge.com. If you like playing daily fantasy sports, you like betting on sports, you want the quantedge.com. They have it all for you. They have the NFL DFS package. NBA's cranking up right around the corner. We're, we're wrapping up MLB right now. Tons of great stuff there. Plus, they have the betting tools you'll need, all the awesome stuff you can't find anywhere else. It's the quantedge.com. And when you use promo code Bubba, you'll get the, the discounts you need. You get a 20 to 25% off depending on which package you choose for betting or DFS, or you get the premium package, which we get it all by using promo code Bubba, and I highly recommend it especially after you listen to Connor Allen talk tonight and go look for his prop bets. You're going to want that discount over at quantedge.com. So go check it out. Promo code Bubba. Hit me up if you have any questions. I will help you out through the process. Also, playing daily fantasy sports, go try a new site out called Super Draft. It is awesome. They have another um, massive, massive football tournament this Sunday for the Week 5 action. They have tons of overlay all the time. $20 to get in, $25,000 up top. Awesome, awesome prize pool there. They have basketball starting up, hockey starting up, baseball's, Pretty much done. They're going to have a little postseason action here and there. They have golf. Tons of awesome stuff when you go over to the Super Draft. When you create your account, use promo code Bubba. We'll get you in the door and then get you a $10 deposit bonus when you make your first deposit. So when you create your account, use promo code Bubba. $10 deposit bonus after you make your first deposit. All right. If you get a rating and review on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. But for now, Bench with Bubba, episode 216 with Connor Allen of Roto World and the Quant Edge. Recapping the week four fantasy football action. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 216. Going to recap the week four fantasy football action with a little look ahead to the week five uh, week ahead here. In order to break it all down, I'm joined by a special guest. You can find his work over at thequantedge.com on the Move the Line podcast and over at rotoworld.com as well. He's on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. Connor, how are we doing, man? 
I'm doing well, man. I really appreciate you having me on. What a what a week of football. That was that was pretty wild, huh? That was wild. If you would have ever said that there was a week when Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes would not score a touchdown, I think people would call you a liar. Yeah, I think I, I wonder if you could get odds on that. Like a week where neither of them scored touchdowns, like it would have to be pretty heavy favorites, I feel like, for for that not to happen. And I I mean I was shocked. Yeah, it'd probably have better odds than like when you parlay, say the Dolphins and you know some other massive scrub like the, the fight or the uh, Redskins versus the Patriots money line parlay those two probably would have been uh, smaller odds than those two not scoring touchdowns. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, I buy it. I but buy it. Before we get uh, going on the recap here, why don't you let everybody know exactly what you got going on out there these days so they can find you and follow all your good work? Definitely. So I write a player prop article each weekend for the Quant Edge. And then every Thursday morning, I do a podcast with Ryan Noonan and then a guest from the industry. Uh, We just talk about every game, break it down from a betting, DFS, fantasy standpoint, pretty much all over the place there. But we always try and bring a lot of good info for that. And then I write a daily dose on Roto World that publishes Thursday morning where I preview the Thursday night game and talk about the news as well as a weather article each week. Uh, so, yeah, that's most of, mostly where you can find my stuff. Yeah, it's always awesome stuff. Connor does great work. It's fun uh, being in the TQE family with him these days. So I uh, get to, to check all that good stuff out. And the Move the Line podcast with you and Noonan is, uh, is, is always good stuff there as well. So looking forward to chatting up with you for about an hour or so, talking some uh, fantasy football. Let's kick it off with what took place Thursday night. For once, Connor, we didn't have a boring Thursday night football game or a boring primetime game in general. Uh, Eagles go into into Lambeau, win 34-27. And I guess one of the big questions is, I, I think we should probably talk people off the, the excitement ledge for a second. Jordan Howard scored three touchdowns. Do you think Jordan Howard's a must-add this week in Fab? No. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like he he's who we thought he was pretty much a preseason, except he and Miles Sanders are, are splitting carries. And Miles Sanders... Uh, was thought to be the more talented player, so he would carve out a workhorse role. At least that was the thinking inside of the industry, it seemed like. And that just really hasn't happened. Uh, So, I mean, him and Howard are going to keep splitting carries, which is fine, but it's not a guy you want to blow your fab on uh, for Howard. The three touchdowns is a fluke. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't score a touchdown for the next three games consecutively. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely in no rush to get Jordan Howard. Yeah, I completely agree with you on this one. I've heard many places and it's probably because it's kind of a slow overall fab week as we keep talking throughout the week there's not a ton of big time must have guys so howard's on a lot of lists and i'm sitting there going like don't even put him on the list because people are going to get mad when they like you said they're going to buy him and he might not score for three or four weeks and then they're going to wonder what the heck they just did so it's pretty rough there you mentioned miles sanders and yeah the expectations were very high for the for the rookie running back for the eagles it's been slow going. It does feel like it's kind of a timeshare there, and I don't. It doesn't seem like it's going to change. If you're a Miles Sanders owner, like what are you doing with him? Do you do you feel like you have to hold on and pray it changes, or maybe you know if an injury or a bye week situation takes place, is he droppable for you? He's probably not droppable for me. I think that the expectation all along, or at least the expectation should have been all along, was that you were drafting uh, Miles Sanders with the hope that he could carve out that workhorse role, like we talked about and potentially be a running back one as kind of their guy on a high-scoring offense with a lot of the goal line carries and really just overtake Jordan Howard's role entirely. So obviously that hasn't happened, but I think that with a Jordan Howard injury or something of that 
of that case. Like he could definitely still ascend to that role. And you're looking for that upside. There's not many players on your waiver wire right now, unless you're in a 10 man league or, or fewer um, with that kind of upside still. So, I mean, I'm definitely not starting him, but uh, I'm probably holding on to Sanders for now, especially in deeper leagues. Yeah, no, it's tough to give up on him for sure. Let's flip it over to the Packers side of things. Devontae Adams was beasting out, finally giving all fantasy owners what they've dreamed of and more, 10 catches, 180. But then he goes down with an injury turf toe, it looks like. And those kind of waver in time. Some people are saying, you know, a week or two. Other injury experts are saying, you know, three, four, five weeks because the only way to heal that is staying off your feet. So what are you looking at here with, with uh, Adams' injury? MVS is probably not available, but – Geronimo Allison, maybe others in that Packers passing game. Yeah, so I think we see Devonta Adams for sure miss this week, uh, maybe next week. It seems like uh, the the beats are yeah really just all over the place on this one. I think the impact of the Packers here is a, a pretty decently sized boost to Marquez Valdez Scantling um, as kind of their locked in number one guy. He's had a lot of games where he has Rogers trust. We see. Rodgers make those throws before he comes out of his break and kind of like some of the throws where he just uh, is kind of throwing it up to him. Uh, And you only see those throws to players that Rodgers trusts, and he's one of those guys. So, I mean, he'll have the opportunity to be that number one guy. Does he take it? I'm not sure. I'm not really sure if he's good enough. Obviously, Devonta Adams is very skilled, and it's not something – it's not like a running back position where if you just get thrust into the top running back role, you're immediately going to – you score fantasy points for MBS. It just might, might be a little bit of a rocky road, but the opportunity is there. So if he's ready to take the next step, I think we could see some huge games out of him in the coming weeks. Yeah, that'll be very, very nice. And the last point on this game, it's kind of a question. I think I've had to ask like three weeks in a row now, because the, the Aaron Jones, I guess, consistency isn't there. It's even when Jamal Williams gets hurt and likely out this week, Last week, Aaron Jones still wasn't getting it because maybe game script didn't dictate it, but we haven't seen Aaron Jones be the lone back in that offense yet. What are your thoughts on Aaron Jones going forward? Because coming into the season, many of us had high expectations for him. Yeah, I I feel bad, but I'm going to give the answer of I don't know because he's one of those guys that is a really talented player, but for some reason, coaches just don't want to use him. He has 13, 23, 10, and 13 carries in his four games this season. But he did see seven targets last week. Uh, As you said, the game script kind of dictated that if Jamal Williams misses time, I'm start. You know, I'm really excited about Jones because they're almost they're forcing the coach's hand to use him a little bit more. Uh, And I think that that even by dumb luck, the coaches can you know roll with Aaron Jones for an awesome game. So uh, I think that if you can get him in that spot without Williams, then you're you're good to go. Otherwise, the rest of the season, I'm not going to have a whole lot of confidence in him. Can't do it without Williams there. It's going to be tough to to trust him going forward. And it's going to be a good matchup. Green Bay in Dallas this weekend afternoon. There's only a couple afternoon games, and I think they have the uh, showcase, I think. i got to double-check, but that'll be a, a good one down in Dallas. Titans-Falcons. Titans go into Atlanta, win 24-10. The Falcons are one of, like, three teams that have been down at least double digits in every game so far this year. Talk about a massive disappointment. Like, if you're a fantasy owner, Matt Ryan's still putting up almost 20 points a week, so it doesn't really notice much to you. But let's talk Marcus Mariota, though. 227 passing yards, three touchdowns. He had some uh, love with A.J. Brown, three catches, 94, and two touchdowns. Brown's a popular name on the waiver wire. Corey Davis kind of had a, you know, look, I'm still here party on on Sunday. 
it's the Titans, though. So, like, I want to take it with a grain of salt. But Mariota, Brown, Davis, what's your thoughts on this Titans offense right now? Yeah, I've been, I was so off the Titans in general because they're so hard to predict. But I actually said on our podcast last week before this game, I was like, you know, I think the Falcons are the better team. But this is just one of those games that the Titans – or the Falcons are a better team, but it's just one of those games that the Titans win. And it turned out to be it. It just totally didn't make much sense. But Marcus Mariota played awesome. Uh, so from a fantasy perspective, I, I still have really no idea what to do with Marcus Mariota. I'm not starting him in any leagues. I don't really plan on it but just because he's so unpredictable. And I still don't really think that he's a good quarterback. I think the Fal- this is more indicative of the Falcons uh, rather than the Titans. And so A.J. Brown, looking at him, I think he's talented. And he should have a few more boom weeks, but I'm not exactly sure – uh, that next week is going to be his spot here um, against Buffalo. I, it's, a, it's a pretty tough matchup for him. So I'm going to be avoiding him. And I'm not really in for dropping a ton of fab. As I said, this offense is very unpredictable. Um, so I'm probably going to be off of this whole Titans hype train if that exists. Yeah, no, I, I like that because people are liking the Titans and I want to re- remind them it's the Titans. So let's take it easy. And like the, like you said, the upcoming matchups are not super friendly. So buyer beware in that one let's go to the falcon side of things where they have all these dynamic weapons and it's just been kind of a mess so far this year and last week was a massive disappointment uh, when you throw julio and company into the mix we'll start with Devonte freeman another just absolutely horrible week running the football and again game script might have dictated things but he's not even involved in the passing game a ton what are you doing if you're Devonte freeman owner i feel like there's probably not a whole lot you can do right it's i mean it they seem pretty intent on kind of giving him that like split workload there. Um, and the issue is, is the only game that he broke out, Edo Smith got injured. So that's why he saw a lot more usage. Um, I mean, we saw his passing game usage increase a little bit. Like you said, saw nine targets last week, went eight for 72 through the air, which is definitely uh, by no means bad. But at the same time, his rushing, his rushing efficiency is just horrible. Averaging, under 2.5 yards a carry in three of his four games so far. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to say that he looks terrible, but I mean, it's pretty close. So I don't know. I think that if you can sell high, maybe after a big game coming up, I would do so. Last week was probably your opportunity to do so um, because he's pretty much, you're banking on just a lot of catches at this point. You're not really going to be banking on rushing efficiency unless they're just playing a team who is awful. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. It's not, not the guy we were hoping we'd get when, you know, Tevin Coleman left town. It's just not the guy Freeman is. The passing game, you always have Julio to play with. Sanu's out there and being very active. Calvin Ridley's pretty much disappeared the last couple of weeks. But one consistency also is Austin Hooper. Nine catches for 130 this past week. He's been super productive this season. And in a, in a world where all of a sudden we have so many talented tight ends, which no one thought we had coming into the season, Austin Hooper's another, another one. Just kind of what's your thoughts on Hooper going forward? Is he top five tight end, top seven tight end? Like where would you kind of estimate having him going forward? Because it seems like he's going to have a very, you know, good workload in this offense. Yeah, I think that five to seven range sounds about right for me. But we've noticed a little bit of a trend here when the Falcons are playing from behind and forced to pass a little bit more. He has nine, six, and nine receptions in the games they lost so far just four in the game they won against the Eagles where they were able to run the ball a little bit more. Um, So I think 
but I don't, I don't think the Falcons issues are changing anytime soon. So he's going to continue to see a lot of volume. They're going to continue having to pass the ball a ton. So really, really for him, I, I think that he's going to continue to be a top 10 fantasy tight end for sure with top five upside. Yeah. I'm with you there. Let's go Redskins giants. Um, yeah. Redskins giants. The giants went 24 to three. This was ugly big time. Danny dimes, Gets, to, gets it done again, but it wasn't like he had to do much. 225 passing yards, touchdown, two picks. Ran a little on the ground. Um, you had Wayne Gallman have a nice day uh, receiving and running the football. Uh, with, with Jones and Gallman out there, we'll get to the receiving situation in a minute. Jones is pretty much the guy the rest of the year. Gallman's going to be there for another few weeks. As reports came out today, that Saquon Barkley's got the boot off, so he's probably got about three to five weeks left of recovery. For at least the next three to five weeks, is Wayne Gallman, you know, a pretty reliable source out there for the Giants? Yeah, I'd say so. I think that he looked pretty solid. I mean, he was used as like kind of their workhorse guy. So, I mean, I don't really see a reason why he wouldn't continue to see that kind of workload. Um, and then now with this Giants offense looking semi-competent or at least exciting, he'll have goal line carries. He'll be used in the passing game. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's definitely like in the RB two range for me, um, for the next few weeks. And I don't really feel too bad about that, even though he isn't a quote generational, uh, talent, I think that he can still uh, put up some fantasy points. Yeah, exactly. He's not a generational talent at all, but I think there's something there. That's why I was confused and you see it on Twitter and stuff. There's always the group that's like, okay, you got to go one, like you got to go left at the fork here and the one that has to go right. And when it came to Gallman, it was like, He's not that great, and uh, he's not worth your fab money. And everybody else was, well, he's a starting running back. Go get him. You need to use him. Well, last week mm-hmm. it looked pre- pretty good. Like, he's very, very productive out there. Uh, so we'll see how that one keeps going. Just real quick on Daniel Jones. You know, two weeks ago when he made his debut, he had that horrible Bucks defense, and he looked really good, which a lot of teams, a lot of quarterbacks can do versus the Bucks. This past week, he wasn't asked to do much because the Redskins were that bad. And he got the job done. Like you said, the offense looks competent. They're moving the football. It maybe could have been even better if he doesn't throw two picks. Do you think you're just going to be free-willing starting Danny every week, or is it more of a case-by-case basis still with this young quarterback? Yeah, I think it's going to be a case-by-case basis. I mean, he looked awesome against Tampa Bay, uh, but they really didn't have much tape on him. And then now he comes a little bit back down to earth against the Redskins. He was pretty good in some areas, but he threw two picks. And he had a few throws where you're just looking at it like, what the hell was that? Uh, I mean, like there was some times where you're just shocked by uh, kind of by what he, what he was doing out there. So I don't know. I was never really a big Daniel Jones guy coming out of college. Um, but at the same time, he really impressed me uh, in his first start and then was kind of up and down and uneven in a second start. Uh, but that was against a pretty bad Redskin secondary. So I don't know. I'm starting to temper expectations a little bit more. I just don't really know what to do with him at this point. So I think that in fantasy, he has a lot of rushing, a good rushing floor, so you're able to start him if you really need quarterback help pretty much any week, um, especially considering his secondary and defense is so, so bad. I mean, they're going to get lit up, and, and he's going to be putting a lot of negative game script where they're just throwing the ball a bunch. So, yeah, I think that he's he's a very – pretty much a fringe QB1 in, in most weeks. Yeah, I, I can see that's a pretty, a pretty good way to break it down there. Last Giants question – Forgot to put it on the outline here, but Golden Tate is back at practice. He's back this week. We saw before the first four weeks, especially the last two weeks with Danny with Danny Dimes here, Shepard and Ingram were just massive targets for Daniel Jones. He was going to them early and often every game. 
Now you're throwing Golden Tate back in the mix. Just if you had to kind of spitball off the top of your head, where do you think like Tate fits in here and how much of it, like who do you think it affects more, Shepard or Ingram? It's such a hard question. So before the season, we I, I was breaking it down because both Tate and Shepard are kind of slot guys, right? So yeah. Tate ran over 70% of his routes in the slot and Shepard was, I believe, over 60%. And both of them were more successful in the slot. Um, and we've seen Golden Tate, whenever he plays on the outside, really, really struggle um, as an outside wide receiver, mostly to gain separation. So for me, it's kind of a wait-and-see approach. And since the beginning of the season, this was before Golden Tate's suspension, I've been kind of saying, like, if one of these guys is going to play in the slot more often than the other, it's going to be awesome for them. If not, I just don't really know what to do with them because – uh, I mean, if Golden Tate is on the outside, he's not going to do a whole lot, in my opinion. No, that's a, that's totally true. That's why I wonder how this will break down. And I guess we'll have to wait and see this weekend. Um, on the Redskins side of things, it was just ugly all around, including Dwayne Haskins making his debut through three picks in his limited action. It was not pretty. They haven't announced if he's going to be the starter yet this week. For his own sake, they might want to bring it back against uh, facing the Patriots in that defense. It might be really bad for the kid's psyche. But just from the little bit you saw, you know, people were, were yelling for Haskins to get a chance. He got his chance and it wasn't good. Yeah, was not good. But I, so I, I listened to a podcast this week from Mike Lombardi, uh, former general manager, and has worked in the league a bunch. And he basically said that the Redskins, like Gruden knows he's going to get fired and he's just straight up not coaching. And Haskins is a guy who he needs coaching. He's not good enough to just go out there and ball. He needs coaching. And right now it just doesn't look like Haskins really cares. doesn't really look like Gruden cares too much. Um, so I'm just so far off this Redskins team with this kind of dysfunction. Um, and so for me, like, I think that Haskins still could be an all right NFL quarterback, but please just like for, for his psyche, like you said, just bench him for a little bit uh, because this is not the time for him to begin learning and trying to get in there. There was that picture posted online. It was like the coaches coaching up the backup quarterbacks and stuff. And then Haskins is just like over on the side, like, you know, looking around. Um, and this was like two weeks ago. I just don't think he really, really cares to play all that much right now. And I don't think it really matters because Gruden's going to get fired anyway. So he'll get another chance whenever they get a new staff. Yeah, no, that's probably a good idea. Hopefully they just let him kind of do his thing and not have to worry about it until Gruden's out of town because, yeah, that's not going to be good for the kid to get beat up like that. Let's go Raiders-Colts. Raiders going to Indy win 31-24. to And a couple of just minor takeaways here. It's kind of just a weird game overall, but uh, Marlon Mack injured his ankle on Sunday, left the game. Reports came out that if he needed to play, he could play. He hasn't been ruled out for the week. It's It's kind of up in the air still. But say Mac does come out. Are you going all in on Nikita Hines or you want some Wilkins? What are you doing with the Colts backfield? Yeah, I don't know. It's a really tough split. I think that given who they play next week, which is the Kansas City Chiefs, that probably means that it's going to be a Naheem Hines game uh, rather than a Jordan Wilkins game if Mac misses. But at the same time, there's this weird report that came out today saying that uh, – Mac was not injured and that he was just, it was due to game flow or something like that, which seems like a total lie because Jordan Wilkins played and Jordan Wilkins is just like a way worse version of Marlon Mack. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. I feel like that's lie and coming from an organization that has literally just, you know, shrouded 
Andrew Luck's injury for two years or multiple years and just like made stuff up. I'm not really buying that. So I think that there is a chance that Mac misses here. And I would think that Hines would be the guy. Um, I'm not really sure if I'm love to start him in season long, but if you want like a high upside guy this week, I think that he's in play. And then just kind of an off the wall one here. We, like T.Y. Hilton was out last week. He's still banged up. There's no reports yet if he's in or out this week. Could miss another week. It, it's pretty sketchy there. But the the passing situation with the Colts is all spread out. There's really not one guy. So I'm kind of staying away from it. But do you have a different in, input on that? Do you have someone you, you want to target in that Colts passing game? Uh, not really, to be honest. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of staying away. Yeah, no, it's nasty. That's why I thought I'd get a second opinion to make see if I was missing anything there. But it's, <laughs> it's it's pretty rough on that one. Uh, well, speaking of rough, we'll go down to Miami. Uh, Chargers at the Dolphins. Chargers win thirty to ten on this one, and it was pretty easy for the Chargers, as you'd expect. Uh, it was actually kind of sloppy. I thought they would have done it a little easier. It kind of drug on a little bit, and they finally figured it out. But a couple notes here: Melvin Gordon. He came back to the team towards the end of last week. He was only an emergency back this past week, so he didn't play. Supposed to play here in week five against Denver at home. You know, you'd guess it's like 30, 70, 40, 60 to try to ease him back into things. But with Gordon Mack, and Eckler has been one of the top running backs in all of football this year. What are you doing with this situation here? Because I always thought coming into the year, even if Gordon was there, Eckler was a valuable PPR back. But you, there's a lot of different uh, opinions in the industry. I wanted to hear what yours was. Yeah, so for me, I wrote, I wrote about this last week in my dose for for Roto World with because um, it was the day that Gordon announced that he was coming back. It's so hard because there's two kind of like schools of thought here with how the Chargers can approach this. So I think most likely is, is they're going to split time and both see you know ten to fifteen touches each week. But I think that it is very much in play for the Chargers to say, "Hey, we're not going to sign this guy, but we know he's talented." Uh, and there's maybe there's potential that we can somehow trade him for something. Um, but let's like, let's ride him into the ground. We know that Eckler's a good back, but let's ride Melvin Gordon and just keep Austin Eckler in kind of like a change of pace role. I think that that's very much possible because they don't want Gordon next year. They don't care if he gets injured because they know they have Austin Eckler. So I think that they could do that. Uh, I'm not saying that I don't think that's the most likely outcome because that's generally just not how NFL teams operate. But at the same time, I think it's certainly in play. Yeah, and that's that's the confusing part. I could see, like, yeah, like you said, pretty much a timeshare or, you know, kind of the hot hand runs thing. It's going to be a very frustrating situation if you're an Eckler owner now because of what he gave you and what he might be giving you. It's going to be interesting DFS this week because looking at DraftKings earlier today, Gordon is 7K, Eckler's like 67 against the kind of banged-up Denver defense. So that's going to be a really interesting decision to make uh, this week. When we go to the Dolphins side of things, there's only like one or two guys that are ever fantasy relevant. And thank goodness this week they're on a buy, so you don't have to worry about it too much. But you have Preston Williams, who has a gross pros, and he had seven more targets this week. He had four catches. You have Devontae Parker, who's been getting more and more love. He had four catches and a touchdown this past week. Do you envision a world where either one of these guys is fantasy relevant for you? Um, for my teams, no. I mean, if they're, if they're <laughs> fantasy relevant for my teams, means I'm probably already screwed. Um, I mean, like <laughs> there, there's a chance that they make, you know, they, they could put up like a decent game here and there. I think Rosen is, I don't know, looked better than I thought. 
I, which is say me, it literally means nothing to be honest, because I thought that he was going to look horrible. Um, so, I mean, he's looked like, you know, slightly above horrible and Williams target share is encouraging, but they're just such inefficient targets that I don't really care about it. Even if Williams is playing well and has like a big game, I'm never going to have the stones to start him. And then, like I said, you know, if I am starting him, my team's probably already SOL. So. Yeah, no, that, that's the thing. It's like, I see these, the, the target share and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, I kind of want to, but then I'm like, it's the dolphins. And it's yeah. Josh Rosen throwing the football and end well more often than not. So yeah, it, it's frustrating at times. Let's go to the Panthers at the Texans. If you're a Texas fan, it's been frustrating for you because the supposed high-powered offense isn't doing anything just in general. You know, Deshaun Watson didn't do much. You have Carlos Hyde running the ball a lot. They're not using Duke Johnson. Fuller hasn't exploded yet, but everyone swears it's coming, which it will eventually. That's how things work. Nuke's doing his thing. Kuti should start this week because Stills is injured. What's your overall thoughts on this Texas offense that, you know, fantasy-wise people thought there'd be so much tasty goodness, and it really hasn't been there the last few weeks? Yeah, I think that they'll bounce back, but I just, I don't know. I was really excited about them before the year. Seems like everyone was, but yeah, they've really struggled. I don't, I mean, I think that you got to still keep going, keep riding with Fuller. Uh, I've, I've been starting him in a few leagues and have gotten burned by him a little bit, but like you said, I think the boom is coming. He's been just missed on a few of these like really long bombs, pretty much one a week. It's like either Deshaun Watson underthrows, underthrows him and he gets tackled or he overthrows him and he doesn't catch the ball. It's it's brutal. Like he could realistically right now, if Deshaun Watson was able to connect a little bit better, uh, I mean, he Will Fuller would be like a wide receiver too right now in fantasy pretty much. Uh, but he's not. And then we have DeAndre Hopkins, who has underperformed a little bit. But I think that there are better weeks coming uh, just for this offense in general. So I, I don't know if you watched Watson's like breakdown with that reporter of the cover four. I thought that was pretty yeah, that cool. That was impressive. Yeah. I that mean, awesome. like, yeah, I mean, like that's stuff that I feel like a lot of football players know. Um, but he just did it in such an eloquent, like easy, simple to understand manner that I was like, oh, you know, that kind of makes sense. You know, like actually. And I think that. Against Atlanta next week, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think that the, it could be uh, could be wheels up. Yeah, it could be a massive coming out party there, and if they don't do it next week, then I might get really concerned. But uh, yeah. yeah, there should be some there should be some fun next week against Atlanta. Patriots Bills, Patriots sixteen, Bills ten. Always a tight game between these two, especially in Buffalo. So I wouldn't overreact too much if people were worried. But a, a couple things here besides Tom Brady not scoring. Um, Josh Allen, he gets hurt. Uh, he has three picks, but still, you know, productive because he can run and everything. But he he leaves the game, and, and I believe it's Barkley that came in and, and relieved him. If Barkley is the quarterback, I know this should be a pretty simple answer, but I'm asking it anyways. We had interest in John Brown. Cole Ble- Beasley's been a nice little PPR machine. If Barkley's quarterback, do you just go away from all Buffalo players? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I don't really like think that. I I mean, I started Frank Gore in like one league, but I I guess that John Brown, yeah, becomes not really not a whole lot. I mean, the whole point of John Brown playing so well was because he pretty much perfectly matched Josh Allen's skill set. I would say almost Cole Beasley is you know about as interesting as Matt Barkley continues to check the ball down. But in terms of like touchdowns and any confidence in the Bills. Yeah, I'm going to be shying away. It's going to be a lot of low-scoring, grinded-out type of games with a lot of inefficient football. Yeah, 
Uh, talking about not low scoring, Chiefs-Lions, Chiefs 34, Lions 30, and the Chiefs, like we talked about earlier, they scored 34 points, and Mahomes had zero touchdowns, 315 passing yards. Pretty wild stuff there. Um, we already talked about that, but let's talk about the running backs. You have Shady McCoy and you have uh, Darrell Williams both getting stuff done. Like they almost split it evenly. Like, do you see this continuing? And if so, do you want both pieces or no pieces of this uh, Chiefs running back situation? I think that it depends on who they're playing, right? Because there's definitely going to be some weeks where both are fantasy relevant, like we saw last week. But at the same time, there are going to be some weeks where, um, you know, neither of them are. If they're just, if Mahomes is throwing to, you know, the outside wide receivers or Kelsey. Um, so I think that we'll probably continue to see both of them rotate. I can't imagine that that changes. It seems like uh, Andy Reid doesn't really view either of them as like a workhorse at this point. So I think that both are both have a little bit of value with occasionally boom weeks, but they're going to be so hard to predict. Yeah, very tricky. Almost as bad as the Patriots' backfield. Um, we're talking receivers for the Chiefs. Again, this could be a hard-to-predict situation, but Sammy Watkins continues to get targets, continues to get the air yards, all the things you're looking for, the chances, the opportunity. He's dropping touchdown balls. He's giving up on passes. Weird with Sammy Watkins. Should we just keep chugging along? Because obviously he's the, right now the number one in this offense before uh, Terry Kill gets back here in a few weeks. Or we just say, screw it, and let's go to like Hardman, Richardson, or just go Kelsey only. What are you doing with Watkins and company in the receiving core? It's, it is so hard to predict, but when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes who's just literally been so good, I think the answer is kind of just like all of the above, right? Um, and even though Sammy Watkins has been pretty inconsistent, um, I think that there are some better matchups in the future. Uh, this week especially, ever like uh, they're playing against the Colts, uh, Matt Efferfluss' zone defense uh, is going to get picked apart by Mahomes. And so Watkins, especially over the past few years, has really, really played well against zone defense. Uh, and that's where his blowups, but a lot of his blowups bets have come against. So I think that there's definitely a lot of potential this week and in future weeks. I mean, we're only four weeks in and we've seen him explode in just one week. Uh, so I, I don't, well, you know, a quarter of the time being awesome isn't a great rate. Uh, I mean, the potential is always there each week, and you have pretty much weak winning upside if he's in your lineup potentially. So I'm definitely still rolling with him. The other guys, I mean, those, they're more of dart throws, like especially Hardman and uh, Demarcus Robinson. They're more of dart throws, and they should be your kind of wide receiver three flex people that uh, if they hit, they'll help you out a bunch. If they don't, though, you're not really banking on them for a ton of points. No, that's, that's well said there, especially with the Sammy Watkins. You know, if it's one in every four weeks still – Slate winning upside for you on a week-to-week basis. Stuff there. Uh, lastly, on the Detroit side of things, Stafford looked very good. He's been pretty darn good so far this season. Galladay's had two or three just straight awesome, awesome weeks. And then on Johnson for the last two weeks is the the lone man in the backfield there since they got rid of C.J. Anderson and company. He has beasted out for two straight weeks. Are we believing in this, this Lions offense, or are, is this kind of like they play the Chiefs in a shootout? We should be careful. Oh, I – I've just been so wrong on the Lions like all the time. I just can't get them right because I was pretty down on them coming into the year. And then now they've done nothing but outperform expectations, getting huge wins against the Chargers and Eagles, and then nearly, nearly beating the Chiefs. Um, So I think that this offense as a whole, while not always playing like a good pace or anything, they've been really exciting. I do think that their matchups have been pretty good though. I mean, we, 
we know that the Eagles secondary has been pretty banged up uh, and has not looked very good as well as the Chiefs secondary is not a good secondary at all. So, and then the Chargers game that they played, I mean, they, they scored like, you know, what, 13 points and like that. So it's, I mean, I don't, I think that some of the excitement around this offense is a little bit overblown. Um, carry on looks like he's going to be the guy they're finally using him in a workhorse role, even though Patricia refused to do so pretty much. And was saying that all off season. And even the first few weeks of the season, he was just in that like 10 to 14 touch range. Uh, now he's seen 20 and 26 carries the past two weeks. So yeah, I think that, I think that you got to start these guys in fantasy, but it's going to be a little bit more volatile than what it looks like right now. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. With Stafford, you never know on a week to week basis. I don't know if it's three touchdowns or three interceptions. That's for darn sure. But it's good to see carry on finally get his. That's what we've been waiting for for quite some time now. Browns, Ravens, Browns. Everyone that Sunday night game against the Rams. They go into Baltimore 40-25. to Very surprisingly dominant victory in this game. And I think the biggest takeaway of just going ham all over them. 20 carries, 165, three touchdowns. We saw the week before he had like 97% of the, or I guess, snap share of the running back position. Are we believing uh, Nick Chubb, bell cow back now after two weeks, or do we get worried that we're going to see a little bit of the first two weeks where he wasn't getting the love he should have got? Well, I would like to believe that he'll continue to be the bell cow, but um, understanding how bad Freddie Kitchens has been with some of his game planning, I'm not entirely, I can't tell you <laughs> with a straight face that I know that he's going to be the bell cow. I mean, I think he should be, and he probably will be. I think that the, I think they might see a little bit of a workload decrease, um, but you know, probably still see the majority of carries. The thing is with Chubb now is that, uh, I mean, you're going to probably have an awesome next, uh, you know, whatever six weeks. But after that week ten game there, right when you're approaching the playoffs, you got Kareem Hunt coming back, and that situation I think is totally up in the air. I have no idea how they're going to approach that workload when he comes back. And that's something you're just going to have to hold your breath on. Enjoy the points for the next six weeks because I think Chubb's going to continue eating as kind of the focal point here of this uh, running game and pretty much their workhorse on the offense. Yeah, no, it's good to see him. A great point on Kareem Hunt. We'll have to see how that one plays out. Because, yeah, no one has any clue what's going to happen there. And that could be a, a no-worry situation or a very, very bad situation. And we'll have to – Wait and see. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 342, a touchdown and a pick. You know, there's a lot of hype coming into the season on Baker Mayfield. He's on every commercial nowadays. People love them for fantasy. And it's been an ugly start to the year for Baker Mayfield, like really, really bad. What's your just thoughts on him going forward? Do you think, you know, it's just, you know, bumps and bruises of a second-year quarterback? Or is there something just he's not as good as we thought he was? Yeah, I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. So I would say not as good as he thought he was, probably a little bit. Um, the offensive line has been not great. Uh, I mean, they haven't been terrible, but they definitely have not been good. And then Freddie Kitchen's route trees that he's been having everyone do and like scheming has been pretty bad. So I would say it's a mixture of all of those. I don't know. I think that Baker will probably continue to get better. It's probably just going through, like you said, you know, some second-year bumps. But when it comes down to it, I mean, he has an awesome receiving core. He's got Nick Chubb. Um, so I think that I think that things will probably begin to look up for him and that he just had a rough few weeks here in the beginning before this. All right, let's go to the Baltimore side of things real quick. Uh, Lamar Jackson kind of had a comeback-to-earth moment this week after he's been just riding high, facing some bad defenses. 
And then Hollywood Brown, after that big week against Miami, shocker, he's been kind of held in check. The air yards have been there. I guess week two, he, he did have a productive week, but he hasn't had the, the monster week everyone's been wanting week in and week out with him, which is it's tough to expect all the time. But it's been real quiet here of late. And do you have any concern that Lamar Jackson is going to be just, you know, maybe like Sammy Watkins, one every four week type guy? Or do you think there's more consistency here? And is Lamar Jackson the coming back to earth more what we should expect compared to the, the monsters? Yeah, so I think that uh, with with Lamar here, uh, his throwing probably just isn't quite as good as we thought and we saw the first two weeks. But it's definitely better than what was last year. And I think that I'm pretty confident saying that uh, Hollywood Brown has seen a ton of targets and air yards in each game, which is – predictive and something that we should chase i know it like it's one of those things where he hasn't been he hasn't been playing well and lamar hasn't been able to connect with him but i really do think it's coming because i do believe in lamar jackson's talent i believe in hollywood brown's talent so i think that it's coming and then they're going to be much better weeks they're just going through a little bit a little bit of issues right now they're like you said playing some better defenses and i think they'll figure it out it might be another game or two but I would not be surprised to see, you know, a chunk of four or five games they rattle off together where Hollywood Brown just explodes kind of once they get in a little bit more rhythm. we got to remember, like, these guys didn't even play together really in the preseason. Like, they did, weren't, like, barely practicing together. They had no connection. So, I mean, it's going to take a little while for them to get in sync. No, and that's a very valid point as well. You know, rookie, rookie receiver didn't do a lot of preseason action. It, it will take a little bit of time, so maybe – you know, facing the Bengals will probably help them out in a few weeks or something. Stuff like that will help out quite a bit. Let's go Seahawks Cardinals. Seahawks go into Arizona win twenty-seven to ten pretty handily. Uh, it was an interesting game because it was good to see that after the back-to-back weeks of fumble issues for Chris Carson, still Rashad Penny's not around. Got to remember that part. But Carson got twenty-two carries, one hundred and four yards. You know, game script dictated a heavy running game. But are, are you and going into the week? Pete Carroll said he trusts Chris Carson. He's going to keep going to Chris Carson. Do you believe that Chris Carson still should not? Do, do we not need to worry about Rashad Penny is what I'm asking if you're a Chris Carson owner? I think you always need to worry about Rashad Penny a little bit. But at this point, I'm pretty firmly on the, the Carson bandwagon in terms of his usage. I think that he'll probably continue to see 15 to 20 or 25, you know, almost carries in a game. Uh, with a little bit of pass game usage, which has been pretty encouraging as well. Carson also last week broke like 20 tackles or something in during during the game, which is just incredible. Um, so, I mean, he's looked pretty good outside of his fumbles, and I think that uh, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks recognize that. So I think that they're willing to uh, continue riding Carson here, even with Penny. Uh, there were some reports in preseason two that – the coaching staff wasn't really excited about Penny. I know he was rumored to be potentially involved in a trade, but uh, it didn't end up panning out. But I think that they're they're pretty firmly with Carson here. Well, that's good to hear because uh, bell cow Carson is always a very good thing for us fantasy owners out there. On the Arizona side of things, we got to see DJ back as a pass catcher, eight catches for 99 yards. That was great to see. And it's kind of been growing each week, so – be fun to watch that continue to go forward. But a side note, you know, Fitzgerald and Kirk have been just target monsters to start the season here. And Chris Kirk goes down with an injury. Looks like he could miss this week. There's a good chance he'll miss this week. We could see some more Kashawn Johnson. We could see some more Arcega Whiteside. 
say Kirk misses some time here, this offense is going to keep spreading out all over the place. Which receiver are you looking to acquire there in Arizona? Um, probably not looking to acquire any of them too heavily, to be entirely honest. We have with Keyshawn Johnson. I think that this provides the biggest boost for Trent Sherfield. Um, I don't know. I think that that's not really something I'm super pumped about, especially with how this offense has looked. I mean, they're just, they just haven't really clicked fully. And Tyler Murray, I think is still, he's a good player. It's just the offense has not come together at all. Yeah, no, it's been weird. Like there's signs where you think it's going to start clicking and then it just goes away and it's pretty darn ugly, pretty darn ugly. Uh, Last question on this game here. We saw the Cardinals get torched by a tight end yet again. And it's been kind of fun banter back and forth on the internet between certain people um, throughout the last week or so because Will Disley proved a lot of people wrong. And you got Tyler Eifert coming to town this week with Cincinnati or they're going to Cincinnati. Do you believe that these guys are this bad versus tight ends? Like is Tyler Eifert valuable this week if you need to stream someone? Or is it also that it's Tyler Eifert and let's not get our hopes up? Um, I think they also just like me might be bad against like everyone. So, like, all all the guys that they played against, like, Disley had been seeing targets, and they just traded Nick Vanette. So, it's really not surprising he saw, like, seven targets, right? Um, and then before that, like, all the guys who had been burning him, it's not like they were just, like, some randos. You know, they were all, had, like, they all did have good games, but they are all pretty much featured guys already. So, I don't think that that's too – I don't know. I'm, I'm like not fully in on the Eifert thing here, especially if he's going to be higher on DFS just because the Cardinals have been so bad against tight ends. I think that that's kind of where like the whole uh, DVP thing is kind of overplayed, the defense versus position. Yeah. But I mean, I think the the real storyline here is just how bad Cliff Kingsbury's defense has been. And this is something that I've talked about before in my podcast with uh with Noonan because Cliff Kingsbury I just don't think he was a good coach like think about how ridiculous it is that the fired Texas Tech coach who like wasn't good and allowed over 30 points per game on defense became an NFL head coach I mean just outrageous because you know you have a guy who maybe his offense was innovative sure but they've now given up 27 23 points to the Ravens which could have been more because the Ravens kneeled inside the Cardinals five with a minute left and then 38 and 27 points in four games. I know the talent isn't there, but I mean, they're just getting they're just getting rinsed pretty much every time that they're out there. Yeah, no, it's bad. It's a great point. I was I was shocked by it. Like I saw the appeal of, okay, cool, you'll bring a, an exciting offense to the NFL. But yeah, you're bringing a coach that had no success in the Big 12 where no one plays defense to begin with and you still couldn't win enough games to keep your job. So, pretty pretty weird deal there and uh, we'll see how it keeps playing out because it's it's been ugly. You know, week one, it looked like they were going to come back, win in overtime, and things were great. And it's just gone downhill quickly oh, yeah. for the Cardinals, oh, yeah. real quickly. And, the, you know, these the, the NFC West is strong with Seattle, L.A., and San Francisco. The, the Cardinals might be going for a, a top draft pick yet again next year. All right, a fun one out in L.A., Buccaneers and Rams. Buccaneers 55, Rams 40. The fourth quarter alone, 24 to 20. It was insanity watching that game on TV and, and fantasy wise with all the fantasy goodness you can imagine before I even ask specific player questions, how much are you taking away from this game of like the bucks are this good? The Rams are this bad. Let's like bring it back to reality for people. What are you taking from this game? Just as a general thought on these two teams. Uh, my, I mean, my take is that the bucks are going to be one of the most volatile teams week to week in the NFL. Like we're going to see, you're going to just literally every week have no idea what we're going to get out of the Bucs. No idea. 
I mean, just literally they could, their offense could put up 55 points or they could put up, you know, like 10. I mean, we just really have no clue. Uh, with the Rams, I think we, we need to say that their defense is definitely not as good as we thought they were. And their offense is having, well, they, I mean, they scored 40 points, you know, so like that's obviously good, but they, they weren't as quite as good as I thought that they were going to be. And it seems like, seems like golf is kind of, I don't know. I'm kind of down on golf because you see him go up to the line and you just see like McVay's just kind of telling him what to do. Um, and their offense relies so heavily on play action that when they're in that negative game script, um, I mean, no one's going to be biting on the run really. Like it's, I, I mean, I'm sure that there's been some research done on it and I know that play action doesn't necessarily revolve around a strong running game, but when you're down like 21 points, like they know you're going to pass it. I mean, it's like they're the, instinctually the linebackers are going to bite less than they would um, when in like a neutral game script here. And so you see that the, the uh, Rams just aren't as strong as we thought that they were. So I think that we need to temper a little bit of expectations with the Rams. And as far as the bucks go, just, I don't know, don't bet against them and don't bet for them is what I would say. Just stay away from every bucks game. If you're a better. No, you nailed it with like, with all that, but the bucks part especially is they're not going to be really, really bad, but they're not like, Every week, it's going to be super volatile because what we saw this week, it's like, okay, the offense has weapons. Like, we thought coming into the year, there was some fantasy viability there. So, it's like, did we think 55 points? No. But did we think they could throw it around and Godwin and, and Evans could eat? Yes. Like, that was on the table all off season. And then with with the Rams, I know I was one that thought their defense was better than this. This was a, an eye-opener for me. And then I saw somewhere that um, that Jared Goff and his career was has been pressured like 27% of the time. This season, it's almost forty-four percent of the time. That's a that's a hefty uh, increase. Oh, but like wow, you yeah. said, but like you said, if if you know that they're having to pass the ball, they can bring pressure and stuff like that. It does change things. But he's got a lot more pressure this year, so that kind of made me back off of the golf hate a little bit. But there's still got to be some accountability, of course. Um, when we talk about the players now, I mentioned Winston, Godwin, Evans. Like Evans and, and Godwin, I think I saw are the third and the fifth uh, wide receivers in fantasy football right now. Do you feel comfortable starting them every week? I'd say probably yes. But do you feel comfortable starting Jameis Winston every week? Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It depends. Depends how how drunk you're willing to get after the game, depending on exactly. the outcome. Right? <laughs> no, are, are, we, are we eating crabs or are we slamming tequila? Which one are we doing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it depends on your situation. If if you're in a deep league, yeah, I'm like I'm starting them every week. But if you have other options. Um, I don't know. I'd probably prefer otherwise. It, it really just depends on your matchup. If you need, like, if you're really reaching for that splash play kind of guy. Um, but yeah, obviously starting Godwin Evans every week, they're probably just going to alternate explosion weeks. It seems like, or even in the case of last week, you know, Evans had that long bomb, which he caught and kind of salvaged his day there. But I mean, both guys are great players. Winston, I think, is underrated. I mean, maybe this could be Bruce Arians and him kind of connecting and, like, figuring it out on offense because I was pretty confident Bruce Arians would help him out a little bit. Carson Palmer had his best career years with Arians um, as his offensive coordinator uh, or as his coach. So I think that – I thought that Winston could improve a little bit. And, I mean, maybe this was them coming together and that the first few weeks they weren't really gelling and that Winston wasn't getting it, and now he is. So – um, I think that that's definitely in play too, but it's not something that I'm going to be betting on like right away. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'm really intrigued by this offense. I like to come into the year, so it will be fun to watch, at least the passing attack. Ronald Jones in the running game, though, 19 carries, 70 yards and a touchdown. 
They had a lead for a while so they could pound the rock. But when Jones ran it, when I was watching the game, he was breaking tackles. He looked good. He looked, and you know, it was kind of a homecoming. He's back in the Coliseum. He's going to be a, he's a popular name when it comes to fab right now. Are you interested in a guy like Ronald Jones for your fantasy squad? Yeah, I think, I think you could, you can be interested in him. I mean, this is no doubt the best that he's looked in his career. Um, I mean, like it, it wasn't even close. He looked like a new player out there, but at the same time, it's, it's still Ronald Jones. It's still the guy who can't catch passes, um, has been caught eating cheeseburgers at 2 a.m. in a club, you know, like a few days before game day. Um, like, so I don't know. I mean, I think that he definitely showed a lot of potential there and that if you're able to grab him as a kind of a bench stash there, I, I'm definitely all for that, but not a guy that I'm banking on right now. All right, uh, last question here. Todd Gurley, five carries, 16 yards. Thank God he found the end zone twice to bail out people. But he was heavily in the in the passing game, which helped out as well. It's been really weird week to week with Gurley and what's going to be happening with him, how often he's touching the ball and everything. How concerned are you if you're a Gurley owner? Are you just going to say, screw it, he's the running back to him and run him out every week? Or do you have concerns that you know they're just going to really, really limit things? He's got some really bad weeks out there. Yeah, thankfully, I have basically no Todd Gurley in redraft leagues. Unfortunately, still have him in some dynasty leagues. But, I mean, Gurley is just going to be – he's yeah, it's, this is what it's going to be. It's super sporadic. Uh, I mean, if literally, I'm concerned that if a, a day before game time or game time, he's like, hey, coach, you know, uh, my leg's hurting a little bit, that they're just going to give him like three carries, you know, and play him like 20% of the snaps or something. I think that's very much in play because they're going to want to try and – um, you know, conserve him a little bit, but I did like his passing game usage last week, Seven eleven targets. Obviously a lot of that was fueled by game script. I think golf dropped back over 60 times last, uh, last week. I think it was like 68 attempts, 70 dropbacks, something like that. That's I mean, crazy. that's just like, obviously, yeah, obviously that fuels 11 targets there. doesn't really, I mean, that's not even that crazy. So, um, so yeah, I think that he's, I mean, he's just, yeah, he's kind of an RB two, and that you're probably playing him if you have him. There's not much you can do. Maybe if he has a good week, try and sell high. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And you mentioned, you know, maybe they want to rest that knee. Well, they're quick turnaround playing Thursday this week. Honestly, wouldn't be shocked if they say, you know what, we're going to give them the game off. Wouldn't be shocked at all. Oh, so, yeah. We'll have to wait and see on that one plays out. A couple more games to go here. Not so entertaining ones. Jags at Broncos. It was entertaining in the fact that Jags came back and won 26-24. And the legend of Gardner Minshew continues to grow. And Leonard Fournette. Like this guy, we, they said he gave him a much better look, workload this year. He's been heavy in the passing game. He had 29 carries for 225. Where do you have uh, Fournette in the like the realm of running backs in fantasy right now? Because they are relying on him heavily in Jacksonville. Yeah, his passing game usage has been so good too. Like they just use him all the time. Um, and I like what they did. Uh, DeFilippo started this week using a little bit more eye formation instead of just running him out of the shotgun, which he clearly is just not comfortable with. Uh, he's just a lot better at the eye formation, as we saw. I mean, he rushed for over 200 yards. And they continuously use him uh, as a runner, as, as a pass catcher. Um, I mean, for me, I, I'm very comfortable having him as like a fringe RB1 just because of the usage that even if he's not – playing well or the Jags aren't playing well, which I think they will probably keep playing well because Minshew has looked awesome. Uh, I mean, he's still going to put up fantasy points just because of how many touches he gets. And I mean, that brings me to the next point. Gardner Minshew is like a, a cult hero at this point. He's I mean, amazing. the guy is just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes. 
he's everything we wanted from Uncle Rico. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you feel that. like it. Seems like some people are getting annoyed by him. It's like have fun with this. Like this is yeah. amazing. Uh, it's like guy you picture at a dive bar at the end of the bar drinking a Miller High Life, smoking a cigarette, and oh, now he's totally. out there winging it all over the place. It's amazing. Yeah, and that story that he told, um, um, I don't listen to Barstool, but he, you know, I heard the link on Twitter about how he tried smashing his own hand, his hand. To, yeah. to to get another year of eligibility. Just honestly incredible. Like, what what a guy. <laughs> he's got so many stories. I've heard Mike Leach talk about some. That's how I heard about the stretching in his, his jock strap before the Houston game. He actually did it in college all the time in the <laughs> locker room. Um, the guy told his dad when he was going away to college, he's like, okay, now you can be the man of the house. Stuff like that. <laughs> like, the dude's amazing. He's, he's something special. So, yeah. uh, love everything about him. Um, other question in this game, Joe Flacco. It's not fun talking about Joe Flacco. I know. He's an elite quarterback, but he's not fun to talk about. But he threw for 303 and three touchdowns this past week. The last couple of weeks, he's had a pretty good rapport with Cortland Sutton and even Emmanuel Sanders. So there's some fantasy viability here, but again, it's Joe Flacco. Should we just pump the brakes on this one? Or is there actually something to kind of get excited about here? Um, well, you cannot get excited about Joe Flacco, but I mean, you <laughs> could, you could get excited about Sanders or Sutton. I think uh, both, both of them are intriguing, you know, kind of like wide receiver three plays each week um, with upside. If, you know, Flacco gets it together, but Man, the Broncos just need to tear it all down um, in terms of, like, uh, especially their offense. They have just shown – I mean, Elway needs to get fired. I'm, I'm a Broncos fan and obviously a little salty, but, uh, I mean, this team sucks. Like, these guys, their defense is, like, not anywhere near expected. They had zero sacks coming into this game with freaking Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Now, Bradley Chubb tore his ACL – I mean, and Joe Flacco is just a pocket sloth, as my, my friend Evan Silva likes to say. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I have no confidence in this team. They're, one, they're a bottom five team in the NFL right now. And so, I mean, in terms of fantasy, I think you can get a little bit of relevance there. Occasionally, occasionally you'll get that big Lindsay or Royce Freeman game, but it's not a team that I'll be looking to bet on at all. Well, as a Broncos fan that probably pays more attention to them to mo- than most, what are you doing with the Lindsay and, and uh, the whole running back situation? Uh, play them in games against defenses who, um, you know, are not good against the run or that Denver is going to be in a close game with. Otherwise, you should bench them. Like, that is literally it's literally it. Or, like, you know, because the Broncos are going to try and run their, their zone running game as much as possible. And if it doesn't work, they're going to have to rely on Joe Flacco. And obviously that won't work. So they're going to just, they're going to try and run the ball. And that's kind of their game plan, but it's not going to happen obviously against teams with good running, running games, or if they fall behind big. So you'd look, got to look to avoid those situations. And otherwise I would just look to bench them pretty much in other, every other spot, to be honest, because they're, they're splitting time. And if they're not running the ball a lot and you know, they're not going to have the ball a lot, then it's, it's not really a situation you want. Yeah. It's pretty nasty there. Vikings at Bears. Talk about nasty. It's the Vikings and the Vikings passing game. Diggs got his 7 for 108, so it worked out for him. But when you look at the rest of the Vikings passing situation, Kirk Cousins has been a disaster. And I hope he doesn't have social media or pay attention to anything because I haven't heard many good things about him from anybody that has a, a pretty heavy voice in the industry and in sports talk in general. And then you got Adam Thielen who basically aired out his own passing attack here recently. 
So what's your thoughts here on this Vikings game uh, passing attack? They have a great matchup this weekend. We know how good Thielen and Diggs can be. Are we going to you know, give them another chance here, or are we just really fed up with these guys? Yeah, I just don't think like the matchup just doesn't matter to these guys, to um, Zimmer and uh, Stefanski. Like they don't care about the matchup. They're going to go out and run their scheme. Like that is who this team is, and that's what they're going to do. And their scheme is running the ball um, a lot early, often, and that's just kind of who they are. Um, so for for this one, like we've actually seen the Vikings run the ball over 70% of the time when they're winning. So when they have a snap and they're and they're winning, they've run the ball over 70% of the time. I mean, in this one against the Giants this week, uh, I know that they're on the road. I mean, they're just going to run the ball as much as they can, and that's going to be their game plan, continue to be their game plan. I'm not starting, starting Diggs or Thielen if I have them. Uh, I mean, I'm so far off both of them because they're realistically in their range of outcomes. There is, you know, another 15 attempt game from Kirk Cousins, in which case that they have to be so, so efficient on passing. And like you said, Kirk Cousins hasn't looked good enough to be able to do that. So, yeah, I'm I'm really, really not on the Vikings at all. And I think that Thielen has a right to be unhappy. Uh, I mean, also there was a rumor about Diggs being traded to New England. I thought that that could be fun. I don't know if it ever happens, but it's an interesting thing to think about. That'd be really fun. It just makes you wonder how hurt is like Josh Gordon or something or Edelman or like to add another weapon like that. It's just insane. That God, I hate the Patriots. That yeah, would just right. be ridiculous. So just add, keep adding guys like Antonio Brown. He's a dirt bag, and if it worked out, though, he still would have torn up every team every week. It's just it's they just keep getting them all. It's what they do. So much fun. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, Vikings, and we talk about the bear side of things. Mitchell Trubisky. He's talking about bad quarterback play. He's been bad as well. He gets hurt, leaves the game. It's going to be – he's in a sling. He's going to be out for a while. It's Chase Daniel time, and he actually looked competent against the Vikings. It wasn't bad. Now he goes to London to face a very – you know, you can pass on the Oakland Raiders. Any uh, thoughts on Chase Daniel? And, you know, he, he fell in love with Allen Robinson uh, in the past. He was big fans with Tariq Cohen. Any thoughts on Daniel? I mean, let's just get the, this out of the way here. Trubisky looked terrible this year. Like, he's just been yes. dog. Like, you know, he's been horrible. And so, I mean, was Chase Daniel really that much of a downgrade? I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. Like, Trubisky's obviously a playmaker, but uh, his throwing ability has been just terrible. So, I mean, Chase Daniel is almost kind of a better fit for Chicago right now because he's going to do what he's asked, make the throws that he's supposed to make, that's it. You know, he's not going to do much else, which is fine because Chicago's defense has been playing awesome. So I think that you should have a little bit of interest in Allen Robinson, some interest in David Montgomery, who's seen his snap share and his workload increase in every single week. He's going to become a staple of their offense. It's just going to take a little bit of time. So I think that those two guys are probably what I'm most interested in. I'm not, I mean, you can't start Chase Daniel in any league uh, unless it's like a two quarterback league where you know, your, half of your quarterbacks have gotten injured. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because I'm, I'm already looking forward to hearing it all. You know, like in, in DraftKings, he's 4800 bucks this week, which is going to tempt a lot of people. A yeah, lot of people. I mean, in cash, you do it's that. got that floor. It's not horrible. Yeah, you're only looking for like 15 points from him at that point. I mean, that's, you know, it's doable. It's doable. But yeah, season long stuff, that's a, that's a whole different animal. That's, that's going to be rough because when he comes back from London, going to be a little different but um let's go Cowboys Saints Sunday night we expected fireworks we got a 12 to 10 football game 
Um, I guess we could say good defense. I thought it was bad offenses. You have Teddy Bridgewater not throwing the football anywhere down the field. Um, it was the Cowboys' first real test. Do we believe we get more of this Cowboys team or the first three weeks where they threw it all over the place against bad defenses? I hope we get the more of the first three weeks because that team was exciting and fun to watch. But I don't know. I feel like I heard I saw that, you know, kind of almost conspiracy theory on Twitter about how they tried to game plan exactly the same way that they did last year against the Saints where they upset them. Um, And honestly, I don't even like not believe that because their play action rate was the lowest it was all year. And it was like way, way lower than their other games. And Jason Garrett basically said, oh, I had no idea. We were kind of just doing what we thought gave us the best chance to win, which makes me think that potentially he had a little bit more influence on this game plan. Uh, I mean, it just the offense looked way different, and I hope this is not who they are because I think that they they have a lot of exciting talent, and some of the schemes that Kellen Moore was drawing up for them was really awesome in the first few weeks. But I think we have to worry that the kind of the talent deficit of who they were playing in the first few weeks, um, you know, just may have been kind of the cause for how good they were. So I don't I don't know. For me, it's kind of a wait and see thing, and that I'm willing to get back on board with the Cowboys definitely against good teams or bad teams, bad teams. Yeah, facing Green Bay this week, it'll be a good test. It'll, it'll be really interesting. Back at home, Green Bay's offense kind of got exposed against Philadelphia. Our defense got exposed against Philadelphia. And we thought that was one of the better defenses in the league. So we'll be cool to see how that one plays out. When we're talking about the Saints now, with Teddy Bridgewater, it's not quite Mason Rudolph not throwing it down the field, but it's close. Um, but Michael Thomas still gets all his love. He's a PPR machine in this offense. Kamara's going to get a lot of love here. Are we still comfortable with this Saints offense in fantasy? Are you kind of getting worried here? Because, you know, four field goals doesn't really help us out very much. Uh, Yeah, I'm mostly worried about Teddy Bridgewater. You kind of mentioned it earlier. He just, like, doesn't throw the ball downfield. He just hasn't looked good. I don't know. I feel like everyone was so excited to see Teddy Bridgewater, and there's so much pseudo-hype around him that, you know, it almost, like, warps your opinion of who he is as a player and – I don't know. He's just not that good. I like from what I've been watching and like how he's been playing, he just doesn't, doesn't force the ball downfield. He throws short of the sticks all the time. He's almost like, he's like Trevor Simeon kind of, you know, in a, in a way, like he literally just like checks down. It's like, Oh, third and eight, I'll throw you know, a three yard, you know, like pass doesn't matter. It's like, I almost tweeted during the game that he looked like he was trying to boost his stats more than actually trying to complete the first down because like, he just didn't even care about like getting the first down. He was just like, Oh, you know, dump off three yards, whatever. Let's get off the field. Like yeah. he's he's in a pass per completion league. <laughs> seriously, that's that's honestly what it looked like sometimes. I mean, so I think that that bodes okay for Camara's uh, receiving game usage sometimes. But what was super weird was they weren't even using him a lot of times as a pass catcher. Um, they just like weren't scheming him to do that. Um, and so I thought that that was super odd. But I mean, Michael Thomas will still be okay in like kind of a low A dot situation, but nothing great. I think that he really just caps their ceiling as a whole to be honest. Yeah, I'm with you. It caps as a whole. Thomas will get his. Like, I don't know if he'll find the end zones the problem, but it was really weird with Kamara. So, like, two weeks ago when Breeze gets hurt in L.A., Kamara was, like, taken out of the passing game completely. It was very strange. They go to Seattle, and he gets used, like, crazy in the passing game. You're like, okay, we're back to where we should be. Then, like you said, against Dallas, he's out of the passing game again. I don't – I'm not a – you know, I don't say a Holiday Inn Express. I'm not a, I'm not a coach. But it seems pretty simple. You need to get your guy the ball. That's just what it feels like. <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll see. They'll probably throw it to him this week. Maybe it's in every other thing. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, pretty pretty weird. Hopefully they get that going. 
Last game, Monday Night Football, Steelers 27, Bengals 3. Pretty dominating, pretty easy fashion here. Uh, Mason Rudolph, he threw one pass downfield that worked pretty well. It'd be amazing if, you know, he went to Oklahoma State and threw it all over the field, maybe scheme towards your quarterback, just a thought. <laughs> but they haven't done that yet. But James Conner had a pretty good week receiving and running. Curtis Samuel running a lot of wildcat, which also says I don't trust my quarterback very much. But you basically have two running backs. If they keep running this system here, Colin, are they both, or Connor, are they both viable right now? Yeah, I think so. That, I mean, I think this might have just been kind of like a, a Samuels game here. And I think it's such an interesting point you brought up about trying to scheme towards your players. The Steelers just don't, don't do that. That's just not who, who the Steelers are. I mean, we've seen it on the defensive side with them lining up uh, linebackers against Julian Edelman, against Keenan Allen, just getting absolutely rinsed. Uh, and then we see it on the offensive side too. Like you could, like you said, scheme towards your quarterback, or you can just put in some wildcat plays and just say, you know, like screw it and kind of run whatever we're going to do anyway. So I think that if they think that gives them the best chance to win, um, I mean, it is what it is, but uh, I don't, it's not what I would do, but I'm not an NFL coach. So I guess, you know, that, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, Samuels, yeah, Samuels in terms of fantasy, I think they'll probably continue to do some of this wildcat BS. I mean, he'll probably see 10 to 12 touches a game, I would expect from here on out, which is definitely viable um, in terms of like a low-end flex guy. He's not a guy I'm super excited about starting because I think that this kind of game was more towards his ceiling rather than um, rather than what I would expect going forward. Yeah, I would definitely lean more towards the ceiling here. It's pretty crazy to see two backs get that much of a workload the way they did. And heck, Three of the Wildcat plays were shovel passes. Like, it was just ridiculous what took place in that game. So lots of lots of action for the two of them. But hopefully things change with Mason Rudolph. You got the, uh, Deontay Samuel and all those guys getting their thing. Juju isn't getting any love. If you're a Juju owner, do you even start him right now? Oh, that's so hard because I love, I love Juju as a player. And I think that he's really, really talented. But, yeah, I don't know if I'm really starting him. I think that part of the reason that – he wasn't good was because they weren't really forced to pass a ton. Um, I mean that in like negative game script situations, which I think that they could face in the future, um, he should be a little bit more involved. And then, like you said, we saw a lot of wildcat, a lot of running the ball. I don't know. It was just kind of a weird game plan against a, a Bengals team that we know is bad. And that I think the Steelers kind of figured they could do whatever they, whatever they wanted to do against them and still pull off the dub there. Last question on this one. The Bengals offense coming into this week, like the team as a whole we know is bad. But the offense, they showed production with Ross and Boyd. We've seen um, uh, uh, Tate starting to be productive as well here of late with the new passing attack they have. Complete dud this past week. Nothing really worked well. They have a pretty good matchup facing Arizona this next week that they can take advantage of. Are we good with going back to some of these past targets? Ross is going to be out this week, by the way, so Auden Tate should have even more options. Are we back on them for fantasy reasons, or are we kind of – it's Andy Dalton and the Bengals? Yeah, I think you can, you can like, get back on them, especially in DFS. I think they could be a little bit sneaky, go, go under-owned after how bad they were. I just don't know, man. Like, I was watching this game with, like, some of the play calls that Zach Taylor was doing – who the hell is establishing the run up 21 or down 21 points? <laughs> that was like, bad. With three minutes left in the third quarter, they're, it's like run, run, pass. I'm like, what is going on? Do you just like not care about the game? I mean, I understand you got to, you know, try and gain yards and their passing offense didn't look great, but just do something differently. Like running the ball is not the answer here. And he didn't seem to think so. 
Uh, and obviously they still got blown out and it didn't really matter, but I don't know. I think that that was just huge, huge red flag for me. Kind of like, whoa, this guy seriously lacks some self-awareness, awareness of what's going on, which scares me a lot for taking the Bengals in anything. I thought that they were a little bit underrated kind of coming into this week because like you said, they have had some production on offense. They've looked good in certain spots and especially his connection with Tyler Boyd. I was super disappointed at their lack of, you know, involvement or lack of concentration there, especially against the Steelers team. But like we talked about struggled against the slot. They just didn't really get him involved at all. Um, so I think that in going forward, I think that they could have a bounce back week. Um, we probably see a lot of volatility like we've talked about on this episode a bunch, but with, you know, Zach Taylor in his first year, probably going to see some good days and some bad days in terms of what he draws up last, uh, last week was a bad day. And, you know, I think that Arizona is an obvious bounce back spot, uh, especially with how bad they've been. Yeah. Hopefully I'm with you. I'm going to be back on them on DFS this week. I've been a big fan of theirs just because they're always cheap and they're winging it all over the place because they're usually playing from behind and, I don't care if they win or lose, just rack up points. So I'm good in, in that respect. So we'll see how it goes. But we're a quarter of the way, essentially, four games through the season for most teams now. And, uh, yeah, still a lot of volatility. Like you said, we talked about it a lot. There's a lot of – we don't really know. These teams have shown so much Jekyll and Hyde out there. It's been really, really weird this football season. Really, really bizarre. So I guess we'll see how it keeps going. But that will wrap us up for recapping week four, Connor. I uh, appreciate you joining me. Before we sign off, Remind everybody where they can find you and what you got coming up. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was good to good to look back at the games. So, yeah, I'll have a, an article dropping Thursday morning uh, previewing that Rams game coming up. Uh, and then I'll have a podcast dropping with uh, Mike Randall as our guest um, nice. on Thursday morning. Yeah, he's a solid, solid betting DFS fantasy guy. That should be a lot of fun to record that episode. And then this weekend – you can find my player prop bets, which are hitting about 60% so far this season, uh, as well as my weather article um, on Roto World. So, uh, and then you can find me on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. Yeah, I recommend checking all this stuff out, guys. The podcast is great. It's on iTunes. It's free. Go check it out. It's not behind a paywall. The article is, though, so it's worth joining the Quant Edge. I've told you the, the code many times, so go check it out. But, um, yeah, Connor's got great stuff over there. So, again, thanks for joining me. I had a lot of fun talking with you tonight. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bub, episode 216, recapping the fantasy football week four action. Catch you guys later.